Uh, it's great that we're able to, uh, to gather together this morning uh, for this, our act of, uh, of worship. Uh, if you're new or if you're visiting, it's great to have you with us this morning. Uh, please do make yourself known. Grab me, grab Colin or Neil uh, after service. It'd be great to get to know you a little bit better. Now, if your morning has been anything like mine, it's probably uh, good for us at the start of the service uh, just to stop, uh, just to still our hearts uh, and ready ourselves as we uh, look uh, through the service uh, to come into the presence uh, of the one true living God. So let's just take a moment now uh, just to uh, close, our, close our eyes, perhaps, uh, bow our heads, and just be still uh, for a moment, just uh, deliberately uh, put down the distractions uh, of the morning um, or of those things that are clouding our thoughts for the week ahead. Let's just take a moment uh, to prepare our hearts. Our Heavenly Father, we do uh, uh, thank you so much uh, for this time. We pray that as we journey through the service, Father, we pray that uh, by your Spirit uh, and uh, through your Word, and as we feast at uh, the table this morning, uh, as we sing your praises, as we pray to you, uh, would you meet with us? Uh, would you encourage our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the reason we gather... Uh, is because of an amazing truth uh, that the one true living God sent his son to rescue us and to send his spirit to dwell within us that we might be his children eternally. That's an incredible truth, uh, one that should cause our hearts to sing out uh, in praise. So let me just encourage uh, our hearts as the band come up uh, with uh, a few verses from Psalm 34, the psalmist says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And that is exactly what we're going to do now. Can I invite you to stand as we sing our opening hymn, Come thou font. Uh, we just sang some uh, lovely words there, haven't we? Uh, oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Yet as we look back uh, over the last week, maybe the last day, maybe even this morning, uh, our lives may not have reflected uh, this truth, this desire uh, to have our heart uh, bound uh, to the Lord's. So let's just take a moment now in the quietness of our own hearts uh, just to bring to mind the times where uh, perhaps we've lived for ourselves uh, rather than for, for him, uh, where we've sought our highest good uh, rather than his glory, and where yeah, our hearts have been captured by the things of the world rather than things that are eternal. So let's just take a moment to bring those things to mind and then I'll say some words of confession. So merciful God, we confess to you now that we have sinned. We confess the sins that no one knows and the sins that everyone knows. The sins that are a burden to us and the sins that do not bother us because we've got used to them. We confess our sins as a church. We have not loved one another as Christ 
loved us. And we've not given ourselves in love and service for the world as Christ gave himself for us. Father, forgive us. Send your Holy Spirit to us to give us power to live as by your mercy we have been called to live. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And because of the work of Christ on the cross, we know that we have been forgiven. So hear these words of assurance uh, to comfort our hearts. God, the Father of mercies, has reconciled the world to himself through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, not counting our trespasses against us, but sending his Holy Spirit to shed abroad his love among us. So let this assurance of forgiveness of his pardon and of his peace fill our hearts, knowing that we can stand before him in his strength alone this day and evermore. Amen. In a moment, uh, uh, Jack is going to come up and lead us in our prayers. Uh, After that, uh, there'll be a short video uh, for us to watch. Uh, Neil's going to be preaching this morning on the joy of uh, giving uh, in our Joy of Praying, Giving and Serving uh, series. Uh, so there'll be a short video to watch on giving. And after that video, uh, Ephor will come up and bring us our reading. And then Neil will unpack scripture for us. So, Jax. Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we praise you in song and prayer. We praise you for who you are, all-powerful God, all-knowing, eternal, all-sufficient, unchanging ruler over all. We thank you for Jesus, for the sacrifice that was made for us. Oh, what love. God of grace, thank you that when we were lost, you found us. And when we were ashamed, you forgave us, nailing the accusations against us to the cross. We receive your forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, for this church, for this fellowship, for one another. We pray for James and Catherine and Cheryl as they come into membership. May we all learn from Jesus' example how to serve and love one another. And as we look today at the joy of giving... We pray that we might have generous hearts, remembering how you have turned our wailing into dancing. You have removed our sackcloth and clothed us with joy. We thank you for all you have given us, our homes, food, family and friends. We pray, Lord, that as uh, we give money uh, each week, We pray that these financial offerings would be used wisely and with love. 
Lord, we thank you for our missionaries who serve you in different lands across our world. Would you be their rock and strength in times of challenge? And may they remember you are the all-sufficient one. We especially lift Helen and Josh Chard to you and little Raffi. We praise you for the news of a new baby due in September. We praise you for how well they have all settled on Elephantine Island and for how well their Arabic is improving. We pray that you would help them as they use their Arabic in real-life conversations. We pray for your wisdom and guidance for Helen and Josh as they look to the future in light of the new conflict in Sudan. As many Sudanese refugees arrive in Aswan, we pray you will show Helen and Josh and the Christian church there how to best support these people. We do pray for Sudan. We pray for the many people displaced, some 330,000 especially for those without money who are unable to flee the country and have limited food and water. We cry out for an end to the fighting, as we do also for Ukraine and other parts of the world. We pray that humankind would see their sin and instead of seeking power for themselves would look to you, the all-powerful one. We pray for all your believers here, in our day-to-day lives, in our places of work, in our homes, schools, where we may volunteer, where we befriend people, where we spend time caring. Help us to show your love in word and action. Grow our faith, Lord, that that we would have the courage to be your beacons of light wherever we go. And we pray for those we know who are unwell at this time. We lift Simon Howard to you, and we thank you for a successful operation yesterday, for the skill of the surgeon and the care of the nurses, and we pray for a good recovery. Just take a moment to just bring before God quietly those people on your mind who you know are unwell. And Lord, we pray for those struggling with anxiety, those who are lonely, and those caring for elderly relatives or those with disabilities. We pray for those battling addictions. May they look to you for all they need. Might you liberate them from those things that hold them. May you, Lord, be their strength and shield. We also pray for those recently bereaved. For Sally Kessel, Kathy Bishop and John Hooper, may they know your comfort in their mourning. We pray especially for Kathy and her family as they attend her dad Laurie's funeral next Saturday. Help us now, Lord, to set our eyes and our hearts on you afresh. Renew our spirits. Fill us with your peace and joy. We give you praise and thanks, for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.
The reading is the second letter to the Corinthians from the epistle, chapters 8, 1 through 9, and then chapter 9, 6 through 15. It's page 1163 and 1164 in the Church Bibles. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then, by the will of God, also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you. But I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves the cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever." Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for your hearts, for you, sorry, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Good morning, everybody. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Father God, we do thank you for your grace. We thank you that uh, it's through your grace that we are saved. We thank you that it's through your grace that we can continue to grow in our faith. We thank you that you keep on giving. And we pray this morning that you would put in our hearts that uh, same sense of, of desire and joy in our giving for your glorious sake. Amen. 
Well, it was um, nine years ago now that we moved back into this building after completing a building project that cost uh, about one and a half million pounds, which was only possible through the generous giving of the members of this church, many of you who are still here with us today. And I wonder how you felt when you gave to the project and saw it complete. I hope it filled you with joy, not just because it looks like a lovely building, which it does, but because you had contributed to the Lord's work, you'd contributed to, the, to a tool for the gospel. You had helped create a place where people can come and find out who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. A place where people can come and grow in their faith, be equipped to serve Christ in their homes, their workplaces, their communities. A place where people can be trained and sent out to serve Christ in other parts of the country and the world. In short, you gave towards a project that has had and we pray will continue to have eternal consequences for many people. We don't know whether this building will still be here in 200 years' time. But we do know that those who become Christians through the ministry of this building that takes place in this building will still be. They will be with Christ in glory. In short, in your giving, you partnered with God. And what a joy that is. We're doing a short series on three key aspects of Christian living that are crucial to what it means to be a member of this church. The joy of prayer, the joy of giving, and the joy of serving. And today we're focusing on the joy of serving. Giving is a wonderful joy. And yet, if, if we're honest, we, we probably don't experience the joy that God wants us to experience as much as we could. Why is that? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at um, this morning. We've read in our passage this morning that God loves a cheerful giver. So how do we become cheerful givers? How do we experience the joy of giving? Well, we experience the joy of giving by remembering three key aspects of God's grace. And the first of those is that God's grace means that everything we have comes from him. Most money we, we have probably comes in the first instance from what we earn or what we maybe inherit. And therefore we may feel we have an entitlement to it. That doesn't mean that it's ours. Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. In the Old Testament, God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. And as he prepared to bring them into the promised land, Moses said this to them in Deuteronomy 6. He said, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, Wells you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. In other words, don't forget that all those good things that you will enjoy have been provided to you by God out of his incredible generosity and his amazing love. A couple of chapters later, he's more explicit. He says this, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. 
But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to reduce wealth. It's very easy, isn't it, to slip into that mindset of, um, well, this is mine. I worked hard for it. You know, I'm happy to give uh, some of it away, but the rest is for me to decide what I do with it. Well, the thing is that everything we have comes from God. If it wasn't for him, we would have nothing. And when we give, we're therefore not giving out of what is ours. We're actually giving back to God what is rightfully his. King David understood that uh, when he made preparations for the building of the temple in around 1000 BC, which you can read about in the, the book of 1 Chronicles. He encouraged the people to bring their financial offerings to be able to build the temple. And when all the offerings have been gathered together, David presented them to the Lord. And he said this. He says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. In what way does everything we have come from God? Well, because he's the one who's made us with the ability to do the job we do that earns the salary that we receive. He gives us our job opportunities. He gives us success in our jobs. It is sin that says, I did all this my way without God. I don't need God. I don't even believe that he exists. The more wealthy a society becomes, the greater the danger that the people think they've done it themselves and don't need God and turn their back on him. There's one reason why in the West the church is declining while in the developing world it is growing. And even for those who are Christians in the West, for ourselves, I think our attitude towards money is influenced by that of the world. We may know in our heads that it all comes from God. But when it comes to giving, do we really believe it's all God's? And we're giving back to him what is his. Or do we think, Ash is really ours, and we're quite pleased with ourselves for what we give. Well, the Christians of Macedonia understood this, as we will see from this letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. And the background to the letter is that um, Christians in Judea and Jerusalem had been hit hard by, by famine uh, in the mid-first century. And so Paul uh, had taken up a collection amongst the, the Gentile churches. The church in Corinth had uh, started to do this uh, a year ago. And now Paul is uh, writing and asking them to complete this collection so that when his co-worker Titus comes, it will be ready for him. And the way in which Paul encourages them to do that is by telling them how generous the Macedonian churches have been. In verse 1, he says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. Macedonian churches are those ones um, uh, up here, Philippi, Thessalonica, Macedonia. Um, and Paul is writing to the church down here in Corinth. And he's not look, saying, look how generous they are. Why can't you be as generous as them? Now he's saying, I want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. It's because of what God has given them that they are being so generous. That is where their generosity comes from. It comes from God. 
What exactly is this grace that they've been given that causes them to be joyful givers? Well, brings us on to the second point. That God's grace gives us all the riches we need in Christ. We live in a society where people's purpose for living is uh, often to be happy. And money is seen as the way to become happy. Because money enables us to buy a nice house, a nice car, nice clothes, to go on a nice holiday. And therefore people's happiness will depend on how much money they have. And there are therefore lots of get-rich-quick schemes um, which prey on vulnerable people. The only genuine get-rich-quick scheme that there is, is that of grace. It's only by the grace of God that we can be made right with him and we can become spiritually rich. Have a look at verse 9. This is one of the, one of the greatest verses in the Bible, really, so it's well worth committing to memory. This is what it says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Yet for your sakes, he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus gave up the glory, the majesty of heaven, where he was surrounded by worshipping angels, who honoured him, who adored him. He gave all that up to come down to earth, to take on human form, to live a very basic life, and suffer a humiliating death at the hands of the people he had created. And he did that so that we can be made right with God, that we can receive eternal life instead of eternal punishment. And the amazing thing is he chose to do it even though we didn't deserve it. He wanted to do it because he loved us so much. As we read in Hebrews, for the joy set before him, the joy of our salvation, he endured the cross. Jesus didn't hang on to what he had in heaven. His majesty. Jesus became poor so that we might become rich. In what way have we become rich? Well, as we saw last Sunday evening, we've been rescued from slavery to sin. We've been adopted into God's family so that we are his children. We've been promised an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. The glory of heaven. And these are riches that, unlike the riches of this world, will will never lose their value. These are riches that will last for eternity. And that is a huge generosity of God, a gift that we never deserved, but that he chose to lavish on us. That is grace. As some of you may know, the word grace can be thought of as an acronym. God's riches at Christ's expense. We have received God's riches but it was at the cost of Jesus' life. And if we struggle with giving, if we'd much rather hang on to what we have, it may be because we've not allowed that truth to transform our lives. If we know God's riches at Christ's expense, that should fill us with joy, whatever our circumstances. Because we're no longer focusing on the here and now, we're now focusing on eternity. And that's why Paul was able to say, now this is about the churches of Macedonia. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. 
so often our joy, I include myself in this, depends on our circumstances, isn't it? If life is tough, it takes away our joy, and our priority will be to, to ask God to help us get through it. And once we have, then we can get back to doing those things of praying and giving and serving. Once I've found a new job, once I've got somewhere to live, once the children have left home and are settled, once I get through this, this health issue, then I'll get my joy back. The whole thing about this series is that our joy is in the Lord. We are rich in Christ. And therefore our circumstances shouldn't affect our joy in praying, in giving, in serving. As Paul said this in his letter to the Philippians, he said, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little. I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. The Macedonians were going through severe trials, we read here. They were experiencing extreme poverty, and still they were generous. To the extent that Paul says in verse 3, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. They knew that what they had in Christ was far more valuable than anything this world could offer. And therefore they had a joy in giving. I wonder if we have that same joy. Or are we tempted to to keep hold of money we could give away because maybe we're afraid of what might happen in the future. If I give away too much now and I, I lose my job, well, what will happen? Instead of trusting that God will always provide for me, I'm trusting in my money for my security. Or we tempted to keep hold of money we could give away because we want to buy those things, we want or do all those things we want to do that bring us joy. Instead of enjoying all the riches I have in Christ, I'm trusting my money for my pleasure. Both of these reasons show just why money is so dangerous, because it tempts us to put our trust in money and what it can give us, rather than in God and the security and fulfillment that he provides for us. Let's ask ourselves honestly, do we trust in our money for our security and fulfillment rather than trusting in God? (coughs) Jesus made clear just how powerful a hold money can have on people when a rich young man came to him and he asked, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He explained that he kept all the commandments since he was a young lad. And Jesus said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Jesus identified his idol, the thing he worshipped more than God, his money. Although he kept all the commandments, he, he lived a morally good life, he didn't truly believe that God could give him the security and the joy that he was looking for. And what that incident showed us was that Christianity is not about keeping a whole load of rules, but it's loving God more than anything this world can offer. The man preferred his treasure on earth to the treasure he could have had in heaven. The grace of giving 
helps us avoid trusting in money, either for our security or our pleasure. So if we believe that um, everything we have comes from God and not from our own efforts, if we believe that uh, in Christ we have all the riches that we, we need, then what that means is that God's grace gives us the freedom and the desire to bless others and glorify him. The freedom and desire to bless others uh, through our giving doesn't depend on us uh, getting to a certain stage in our career, earning a certain amount of money, because we have all, all we need already in Christ. And therefore we're free to give with however much or however little that we have. That's why the Christians in Macedonia were able to be generous despite their extreme poverty. The spirit of generosity, the grace of giving, has nothing to do with our level of income. It's a willingness to share what little or what large amount we have. As it says in verse 12, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. It's often those who have little who are actually more generous than those who have a lot. Jesus told a story about uh, people coming to the temple to give their offerings to, to God. Uh, and many rich people threw in large wads of, of, of money. But a, a, wi- a widow came and just put in two little coins. And Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. When we understand God's grace towards us, then we will not only be free to give, but we will see it as a privilege to give. As it says in verse 3, about, again, the Macedonians, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service people. And told they were in extreme poverty, <clears throat> and yet they were desperate to give away what little they had to be able to use it to serve the Lord's people. Why was that? Because they were focused on eternity, on the life to come, and not on this life. And they knew the more they grew in the grace of giving, the more like Jesus they would become. Jesus who gives and gives and gives. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, <clears throat> Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, <clears throat> where moths, moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. If we spent our money on worldly goods, they're not going to last. If we've invested in people, in the work of the gospel, has led to lives being changed by Christ we are storing our treasures in heaven that may be the joy of seeing someone in heaven who would not have been there had it not been for the way you used your money had it not been for your, your witness it is God who saves but he saves through the work of his people and it's a wonderful privilege to be used by God in that way Let me ask you another question. To what extent do we plead for the privilege to use our money to bless others? 
verse 5 continues, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. To give ourselves first to the Lord is to say, Lord, all you've given me belongs to you. Show me how I can use these resources to bless others. It was by the will of God that he directed them to give to the church in Jerusalem. So how intentionally are we asking God to show us how we can bless others with the money he's given us? If God has brought us to this church and we've committed ourselves as members to this church, then our priority will be to give to the Lord's work through this church. If you want to know how to do that, there are leaflets and the the racks on the wall in the concourse or have a word with Sarah Rothwell afterwards, our treasurer. As a church, we then need to wait on the Lord and ask him how we should use that money to glorify God and to, to bless others. A lot of that will be through the regular ministries of the church. Some of it will go to training people for ministry, sending them out to bless other churches. Some of it will go to sending missionaries overseas. And after lunch, Dave Green will be sharing us about with us about how God is calling him to take the gospel overseas and use the practical gifts that God has given him. Some of it will go to partnering with other churches who have less than we do. A few weeks ago, we had a conference in this church um, for leaders of other local FIC churches on the subject of local partnership. And Phil Goss of Buckingham Evangelical Church, I'm sure many of you will know, um, said how grateful they were for the support of this church. Without it, that church would not be where it is today. It would have closed. By enabling that church to survive and grow, as a church, we have made it possible for others to come to know Jesus through their ministry. We've stored our treasures in heaven. Well, the amazing thing about giving is that we, we don't have a limited supply of resources to give. It's not like a bank, bank account when it's gone. It's gone. The more we use the resources God has given us, the more God will continue to give us more resources to bless others. Look what it says in verse 6 of chapter 9. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I don't understand what that means. Look ahead to verse 10. There it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. It's not a reaping a reward for our physical satisfaction. It's a reward that gives us more opportunity to be generous to others. And what does that generosity result in? Thanksgiving to God. We bring glory to God when others see how he has been at work through us. What did Buckingham do when they received help from, from LCBC? They gave thanks to God. What did Marlow do when they received support from LCBC? They gave thanks to God. What do all our missionaries do when they receive our support? They give thanks 
to God. And verses 12 to 15 of chapter 9 are full of thanksgiving to God. Have a look down in verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And it finishes in verse 14. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Joyful giving will lead people to thank God. And that is the real privilege, to see people coming to God, thanking him for all they have done, and above all, for the great gift of his son, Jesus Christ. If we're Christians, if we have understood what Jesus has done for us, we've experienced the riches of his grace, which we're going to celebrate now in the Lord's Supper. But we don't want to keep that to ourselves, do we? We want others to know the joy that we have. We want them to see who God is, what he's done for them, and for them to give thanks to him. We want them to profess, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you indeed for your indescribable gift, the gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you that uh, he chose to become poor so we could become rich. Thank you that we have all the riches that we could possibly need in him. Father, if we don't yet know that truth, we pray that uh, you would... uh, Make that clear to us this morning and cause us to respond to Jesus in trust and to want to follow him. And Lord, for those of us who have already received that grace, who know what Jesus has done for us, Lord, help us to live lives full of joy, to be joyful in our giving, to have a generous spirit, recognizing that all we have comes from you. So help us to be good stewards of what you've given us. Help us to use what we have wisely. Help us to use it to store up treasures in heaven and not on earth. Lord, may your grace be at work in us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, That does bring us uh, to the end of our service. And my prayer is that the Lord has met with you this morning, uh, that he's spoken uh, to you. Uh, and please uh, do take the time uh, after the service to uh, to pray uh, with someone. Uh, you'll see some people around wearing red lanyards, uh, part of the prayer ministry team. Or pray with the person that, uh, that you came along with uh, this morning. But please do not leave uh, without praying uh, for the things that the Lord has laid on your hearts this morning. Uh, you're all welcome to our six o'clock service this evening, uh, where we'll be uh, continuing our journey uh, through Mark's gospel. Uh, some words just to encourage our hearts. Uh, it's our verse for the year, uh, where Paul writes this to the church in Rome. May the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Amen.